the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Now, frankly, having one's life examined in light of these 20 spiritual qualifications can be a bit intimidating and overwhelming because the standards are just so high. And it's very natural for a man to look at these standards and think, how can I ever be an elder when I'm so conscious of so much sin in my heart? And that's why I want to add something important to what I said last week about the kind of man who leads the church. Something that I hope will be an encouragement to those men in our church who do have the desire to be an elder, especially those who are young men who are thinking about going to seminary and becoming leaders in the church as a full-time vocation. God sets a very high standard for those he calls to lead his church. We can't expect our church leaders to be perfect. They are human. Only Jesus Christ is perfect, but they are called to be blameless and above reproach. These standards that Pastor Steve is teaching us from the Word of God aren't just about the pastor's ability to do the job and perform adequately. It's much more about his character than his ability. God wants his men to be respected as people before they are applauded as performers. We're pretty deep into the subject of the church in this great series. I hope you're getting a lot out of it. There's probably plenty of new things that you haven't ever thought about before. It wouldn't hurt to go back and listen to these messages again. You can do that at our website, versebyverseradio.org. Maybe you haven't ever seen a church where they actually do what the New Testament teaches. We'd love to have you come and visit Lakeside Community Chapel. The church is located at 1893 Sunset Point Road. That's 1893 Sunset Point Road, Clearwater, Florida, 33765. Please call the church at 727-441-1714 for service times and directions. That's 727-441-1714. Now, don't get me wrong. Lakeside is not the perfect church. We are, however, trying to put into practice the teachings of the New Testament. Come visit us anytime. Verse by Verse Radio is a ministry of Lakeside Community Chapel. We are so glad that you are listening with us today. We hope you are a regular listener and never even miss a broadcast. Now here's our teacher, Pastor Steve Kreloff, with today's message. It is not everyone who can say that they know what God thinks about the kind of work that they do. But pastors can say that. Pastors know exactly what God thinks about the work that they do because in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, the Apostle Paul told Timothy that if any man aspires to the office of an overseer, which is simply another word for pastor or elder, he said it's a fine work that he desires to do. In other words, if a man desires to be a pastor then it's a good work, a fine work that he wants to do. Now, with this brief statement from Paul, we learn of God's perspective on leadership 
in the church. He says that the office and work of a pastor is something that's honorable, something that's noble, something that's good. And the reason Paul chose to tell Timothy specifically right here at this point in his letter, chapter three, verse one, telling him that the work of an elder is a good work, which I might add means noble, worthwhile, attractive, was because Paul was about to tell Timothy the specific qualifications of the man who should hold this office. And he wanted Timothy and the rest of the church, who were certainly aware of what Paul was writing, that a good work demands good men. In other words, what he's saying is this, a noble work demands a man with Christ-like, noble character. In our study, this present study, this brief study, which won't go too long. I know you're wondering, how do I define brief? But in our present study on the church, we began to examine some of the key issues concerning church leadership. And we did this by asking two questions. First question that I asked you is this. Who rules the church? Who's over the church? Who leads the church? And the answer very clearly from Scripture is Jesus Christ. The Bible says that he is the head of the church, not not a man. He is the head of the church. He is the Lord over all of his people. He is the chief shepherd over his flock. And the way that Jesus rules and leads all of his followers all over the world and yet gives them personal, hands-on, loving, pastoral attention is by establishing local fellowships in various locations across the globe, which are led and shepherded by a plurality of men known in the Bible as elders. As I said, sometimes they're called pastors, sometimes they're called overseers, but most of the time they're just known as elders, spiritually mature men. In other words, Jesus rules the church, he cares for the church through these men. Now, while scripture doesn't indicate any specific number of men that a local church must have, that's up to the individual congregation, the New Testament is very specific on the kind of man that should serve as an elder. Therefore, last week, after noting that the New Testament reveals that when the Lord's apostles established local churches, they placed elders in charge of them, we moved on to ask a second question pertaining to church leadership, and it was this. What are the qualifications to be an elder in a church? And the answer to this question is given in two specific places in the New Testament, 1 Timothy chapter 3 and Titus chapter 1, where Paul lists 20 qualifications, 20 standards for the kind of man who can serve as a church elder. Now, apart from the qualification of being able or, or skilled in teaching the Bible, which is a matter of being gifted by God, the remainder of these qualifications focus on a man's godliness and his character. And the reason for this is because one of the functions of an elder is to serve the church by being a good example to them, a godly example, a role model for the rest of the congregation to follow. You see, since a congregation will never rise above the standards, the spiritual level of its leaders, it is imperative that a local church be led by the most spiritual men of that congregation. And so we closed last week by looking uh, briefly at the 20 qualifications. We examined 
as briefly as I can the 20 qualifications of the man who would serve as an elder. And all those qualifications, when you look at them, they, they deal with a host of areas in a man's life, ranging from the way he treats his, his wife to the way he treats strangers. He's to be hospitable. From the way he manages his children at home to, to his reputation with unbelievers when he's away from home. From his mental disposition of being self-controlled and reasonable to being a man who is peaceable and non-contentious, even with those who might disagree with him. Even the way he handles alcoholic beverages and other potential mind-altering chemicals must be scrutinized if he's to be considered for the office of an elder. Now, frankly, having one's life examined in light of these 20 spiritual qualifications can be a bit intimidating and overwhelming because the standards are just so high. And it's very natural for a man to look at these standards and think, how can I ever be an elder when I'm so conscious of so much sin in my heart. And that's why I want to add something important to what I, I said last week about the kind of man who leads the church. Something that I hope will be an encouragement to those men in our church who do have the desire to be an elder, especially those who are young men who are thinking about going to seminary and becoming leaders in the church as a full-time Vocation. See, as I said, there is a tendency to, to look at this list of biblical qualifications for being a church leader and become easily discouraged because the standards are just so high and we are so aware of our sinful defects that we may wonder how we can ever become an elder. And then if that's not enough, somewhere along the way, you will come across a statement like the one I'm about to read to you from Charles Spurgeon, the noted British pastor from the 1800s, and you will feel even more inadequate and more incompetent to serve as a leader in the church. Spurgeon said in his book entitled Lectures to My Students, he wrote these words about pastoral leadership, and I quote, It is said of the Egyptians that they chose their priests from the most learned of their philosophers, and then they esteemed their priests so highly that they chose their kings from them. We require to have for God's ministers the pick of all the Christian host, such men indeed, that if the nation wanted kings, they could not do better than elevate them to the throne. Now, I have no disagreement with what Spurgeon said. The Lord's ministers should be the most godly, and gifted men in the church. But I want to balance out what Spurgeon and others have said about the high caliber of men that should serve as elders by reminding you that a godly leader takes time to develop. You see, men don't become elders overnight. It takes years of maturing through struggles, through trials, through disappointments to be molded into a man of God, and only by God's grace. Nobody has this innate character quality. Only God develops that. I remind you that Moses, the deliverer in the Old Testament of Israel, the great Moses spent 40 years in Egypt, and then another 40 years in the desert before God said he was ready to lead Israel. And I remind you that it wasn't until a number of years after coming to faith in Christ that the Lord raised up Paul to be a leader and an apostle. To the church. You see, it's this patient 
development of a man of God that makes spiritual leadership far different than natural leadership. Natural leaders tend to have inborn abilities and innate skills that are, are obvious to everyone just right off the bat. That's really what makes them very appealing to others. They tend to inspire confidence in them. Naturally, strong personalities do that. And as a result, men like this who are naturally born leaders are often thrust into prominent positions of leadership after a relatively brief period of being observed. But spiritual leadership is different. Because although certain skills are necessary to be an effective leader in the church, Character always comes before ability. Godliness always comes before skill. And maturity always comes before personality. I look back at my life as an illustration of this principle at work, and I, and I recognized that I wasn't ready to be a leader for a number of years after I came to faith in Christ and had gone to, to Bible college. I was what I would call a late bloomer as a leader, someone who didn't show any indications of being a leader for quite a few years after I was saved. I hope that what I'm about to share with you will serve as an encouragement to you, to others, especially you young men who desire to be leaders in the church, but question whether or not you can ever cut it. I came to faith in Christ and Jesus as the Messiah and Savior when I was a student at the university of South Florida. It was there my freshman year. I continued through my sophomore year at USF, and then I transferred to the Moody Bible Institute in Chicago in order to receive my training to be a pastor. God had put it in my heart to to go to Bible college, to train for the ministry, and Moody is where he led me. And since I was there to be trained to be a leader in the church, I thought it would be wise If I establish myself there at the school as, you know, a leader, since that's what I was being trained for, I thought it'd be good to be a leader there. And so in my uh, second year at Moody, I ran for an office, the office of chaplain for our class, and I lost. Then I decided to run for the presidency of a club for future pastors known as the Pulpit Club. What it was is that... uh, You would bring in pastors from all over the greater Chicago area, and they would be an encouragement to guys training to be pastors. So I decided uh, I was going to be a pastor. I should do this. This would be very good. And so I proceeded to run uh, to be the president, and I faced uh, a man who was a lowly freshman. Lowly, because I wasn't a freshman, so he was a lowly freshman. And I remember the teacher giving us instructions before we were to get up, those who were running for office. It was only he and I. And this lowly freshman and me. And so I remember the teacher said, now, now, listen, I just want you to get up, state your name, where you're from and what your major is. So I did that. And then I sat down and this lowly freshman proceeded to give campaign promises. He was telling everybody what he would do if he were elected president. And I looked on in amazement about this. And I proceeded to lose to this lowly freshman. I remember I was so disturbed and humiliated over losing this election that I walked up about 10 flights of stairs to go back to my dorm room. Next, I decided to apply to be uh, what is known as a resident assistant. It means you're in charge of a dormitory floor, which would, I felt, give me invaluable experience as a leader over men. But I was turned down. 
by the school administration. And I know why, because the dean actually called me into his office and told me why. He said, because they didn't like the way I dressed. Now, understand this. I had come out of uh, sort of the, the hippie culture and secular the secular university world, and my clothes reflected that. I wasn't trying to make a statement. I was just trying to be dressed, and that's all I had. This is what I was. I didn't know what statement I was making, but they didn't like the way I dressed. So I was not selected. So now I'm in my senior year at Moody, and knowing that I was soon to graduate and be a pastor somewhere, I requested from the school authorities that they would give me for my Christian work assignment. Every student has a Christian work assignment at Moody. I requested some prime preaching opportunities around the city of Chicago, certain key local churches. Uh, There were certain uh, prominent, well-known and very good uh, pastors of local churches. And I asked if I could have some of the assignments at those churches to learn under those men. But frankly, my request was overlooked. And other students who look more promising than me were given those good and attractive preaching opportunities. I, on the other hand, was given assignments to preach at, shall I say, some of the most out of the way and undesirable places in the city of Chicago. And I can tell you by experience, there are many. I won't go into the details. You can ask my wife about that. She loves to tell a story concerning that. And so it seemed like every time I tried to find a place of leadership at Bible college, it didn't materialize. So I finally decided to do something about this. I made an appointment with the president of Moody Bible Institute. At that time, it was Dr. George Sweeting. I wanted to talk this over with him. So looking to him for encouragement, I asked this question. Now, before I tell you the question, you should know I did not tell him my situation. I didn't tell him about all my discouragement in trying to be a leader at Moody. I just wanted to hear what he had to say. So I said, Dr. Sweeting, do you find that the students who are leaders at Moody always become leaders after Moody, or are some students just late in developing at leaders? Now, understand this. Dr. Sweeting, Moody's had only a few presidents, but Dr. Sweeting was unique. He is, to my knowledge, the only president to have served at Moody who was a student there. So he certainly had a perspective as president. He'd been on the board. He had been pastor of Moody Church. He had been a student there. So I asked him, do the students at Moody who are leaders there always become leaders, or are there just some who are just late bloomers develop later? Now, as you can imagine, I asked this question, hoping that he would say, oh, there are many students who are late bloomers at Moody, and we see this that they develop later, and you know where I'm going. That's not what he said. That's not what he said. Instead, he told me that his observation, as I said, he served, he was a student there, he was a student leader there, and he was now president. So he told me that his observation was that those who were not leaders while they were students at Moody were never going to be leaders after they graduated from the school. That really wasn't what I wanted to hear, and frankly, I left his office quite discouraged. Well, I want to tell you that after three decades of being a pastor and a Christian leader, I can assure you that there are late bloomers in the area of spiritual leadership, and that it does take time for some of us to develop and mature. You see, there is no instant leadership when it comes to ministering in the church. 
The Lord develops a man at his own sovereign pace and according to his time schedule. So if you desire to be a leader in the church, then take courage. Take courage and keep pressing on to Christ-like maturity. Be faithful in the little things that the Lord gives you, and he will expand your ministry. The right time when God deems that you are ready, he will place you in a position of leadership. Now, as we continue our series on the church according to the New Testament, I want us to deal with two other questions. I want to ask two more questions related to the issue of leadership in the church. In light of the fact that we know that Christ rules his church through a plurality of men who must be spiritually qualified to serve, here's another important question for us to consider. How do elders function in the church? In other words, what kind of work do they do? What, what in the world do they do? Or I should say, what in the church do they do? Now, as we've already noted, Paul told Timothy that if any man aspires to the office of an overseer, it's a fine work that he desires to do. But what exactly is involved in this fine work of being an elder? Well, there are actually several roles of an elder that the Bible speaks of as they serve the church. And you know what? You should know who they, they are. You should know what they are. Because, and I say that because I can imagine that some of you are thinking, why do I have to listen to this? I'm never going to be an elder in the church. I'm not even a, not even a man. Why am, I, why am I even here listening to this? Well, apparently that's exactly what you are thinking. Otherwise, you wouldn't have responded that way. There is an important reason why all of us should understand the work that elders do. And I'm going to point you to a scripture that addresses this. I want you to turn your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. At verses 12 and 13, Paul directly addresses this question of why should you in the church know who the elders are and what they do? Here's the answer. Paul said, but we request of you, brethren that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction and that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Now, in these two verses, Paul exhorts the Thessalonians to appreciate their church leaders and to esteem them very highly in love because of the work That they do. In other words, Paul is telling the people of this church that they should know and appreciate all of their leaders and not simply those with high profile ministries and that they should esteem all of their leaders and express love towards all of their leaders for the work that they all do in serving and caring for them. See, the reason that each of us should know who the elders of Lakeside are. And by the way, that's one reason why every few months we have a, a Q&A time on Sunday night with different elders. So you get to know them and be exposed to them and hear them. But the reason why you should know them and the kind of work that they do in serving you is because without this knowledge, you won't treat them with the kind of respect, love and cooperation that God actually commands of you. I hope you don't have the impression that there is a cookie-cutter version of leaders in the church. God sets the standards and lays out the qualifications. He calls men to serve. Then he lets them serve with their own gifts and personalities. Some people can get a little bit discouraged when they look at a church they admire. They might say, my church will never be like that. 
Maybe God doesn't want your church to be like another church. He wants you to apply the New Testament principles with the leaders and the people you have. The church is a living, breathing organism and not just an organization. Every church has a unique personality. Verse by Verse wants to be a partner with you in many different ways. We want to help you grow in your Christian life. There are tools on our website, versebyverseradio.org, that you can take advantage of free of charge. We have hundreds of messages that you can download, listen to, or even order as CDs. We need your partnership in other ways. We are supported by our listeners who give in order to keep this ministry on the air. You can be our partner by praying for us. If you can, please consider sending a financial gift to Verse by Verse Ministries, P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758. Again, that's Verse by Verse Ministries, P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758. You can also give online and over the phone. That phone number is 727-239-0306. Call us with any questions you may have. Don't forget to tune in next time when we will be talking about the church in another timely message from God's Word. Until then, this is Jerry Pruden for Pastor Steve and the Verse by Verse team saying thanks for listening and see you next time on Verse by Verse. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.